Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Heather. Today we are joined by real estate broker, Dan Nelson. Dan loves houses and has spent the last 20 years running a real estate company with his wife. Dan uses negotiating skills, market analysis, and his vast understanding of buying and selling property to help people find homes they will love. Welcome, Dan. Uh, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, yeah. I um, grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is on the other side of Indiana. And uh, even though it's only three hours away, Chicago seemed like like Mars to me. Like I, We never came. Just a big city. And then after that, I went to school at Wichita State. And so I'd lived in Fort Wayne in Wichita. And when I graduated, I, I was just tired of the you know, that the best restaurant, you know, was a chain restaurant and everything kind of looked the same. And that's the only world I'd ever known. And so uh, when I graduated, I got in my car and I moved to New York and I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a place to stay and I didn't have a job. And so when I got there, I had to hustle. And I, I really loved that. I did that for about um, three years. And then one day uh, I visited a friend in Chicago and I went, what am I doing? <laughs> it's such, it's just such an easier, cleaner, a uh, nicer life here. I mean, it's still a great place to visit, but it's just New York. You're just always scrambling. Everything is so much more difficult. And I just, I've loved Chicago ever since. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's such a good, like mid city, right? Like it's not too small and it's not too big. And it is, we, I think we hear that a lot on the podcast for folks that are more familiar with New York and New York city life that how clean it is here. Mm -hmm. So we hear that a lot. So, you know, um, how did you get into the real estate market? So it's a, it's a really long story, but I'll give you a, an abridged version. Um, my wife and I owned a, a, you know, like a starter home and she began rehabbing it from top to bottom. And she didn't know how to do anything. She just learned by going on online forums and watching videos. It was incredible to watch. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. At the same time, I've been playing poker since I was five years old. And uh, in about 2005, there was a huge poker boom in America. And so all these people were playing poker for the first time in their life. And um, so you can imagine somebody that's been playing since they're five years old. It's just, they might as well turn their cards over and just let me see them because, you know, everything they did was so obvious to me. So there was about a good two year gap there where I literally could go to any like casino and just, you know, find players that weren't very good and just, you know, pick up this money and I just kept saving it and I didn't think anything about it. And I, I just, it just felt really weird. And I got into some really like um, high stakes games um, and it was terrifying. The whole time I was terrified because it was so much more money than I made, um, but I was winning. And then um, finally one of the games I was in broke up and I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. It's so stressful. Um, and then I went to my wife and I was like, I have all this money. I never really even share. She was like, how much do you have? And I showed her, she was like, Oh my God. I said, what do you think we should do with it? And she said, well, you know, I, I think we should flip houses because I clearly like doing this and we had the money to do it. So then um, we sold that house and then we bought another house. And for the next five, 10 years, we were buying a house and living in it for um, two years and then selling it. And we did that. We moved every two years. We mostly were in uh, Edgewater, Andersonville, um, and Lincoln Square and Ravenswood. And we just kept kind of circling around the different places. And we still do that. We usually uh, buy two or three houses a day. And my wife always wanted me to just stop. I had a full-time job. I was, I was in tech. 
And she just wanted me to stop, but I just thought, you know, I don't want to, um, I don't want to stop this job, but I, I got a job where I was working on technology in a real estate company um, called Leading Real Estate Companies of the World. And I just loved everybody in that. And so uh, finally I said, I think it makes sense to try it. And so uh, I decided to help everybody else and not just ourselves. And so I have, you know, obviously the, my experience on our own properties now that I can share with everyone else. So that's how I got into it. And how did your early poker days help you make that switch to the rest uh, the real estate field? You know, I, I, I want to like ask you, like, show me your face when you have a good hand, <laughs> show me your face when you have a bad hand, just to, just to kind of see if I can read you. Um, yeah. So how did that, those skills kind of, kind of help you now in your current position? Yeah, sure. Me showing you the, Faces will go really well over a podcast too. Um, so, you know, the thing that most people don't know when they buy a sell a house is they're at the mercy of the agents talking to each other. They think they have all the information. The only information that matters, the buyers and sellers have no exposure to. It's the agents negotiating between themselves. Okay. Um, there's a lot of great agents in the city, just really tremendous ones. And there's a lot of great agents that work in Andersonville, but not all of them are great. Um, a lot of them, they just want to churn as much property as they can. When you're, uh, when you're representing a, a buyer, um, then the uh, other agent, um, and you will have negotiations. And often uh, those negotiations if you ask the right questions and you don't divulge too much about yourself, they'll give you exactly what the asking price is that the owner will accept. And often you get properties for less than you should simply because the agent tipped their hand. And sometimes they don't even know that they did it. And when I'm helping somebody sell their property, it's the same thing. Um, you want to find out from the agent, how desperate is this person to buy this house? Are they, do they just want this house more than anything else? Will they pay anything for it? Or are they looking at three houses and this is kind of one of the ones they're looking at? And depending on those things is a big difference on what you're willing to sell it for. If, they, if they're not going to walk away from the house, then the house um, is going to sell for a lot more. And if they're not sure if they want it, then you got to negotiate a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I mean, all that experience uh, in poker is really helpful. I mean, I didn't even think about it in the beginning. And then I realized, oh, yeah, this is a different skill than most people have. Yeah, there seems to be a very similar uh, sense of intuition about, you know, a successful sale or like a successful hand. That's super interesting. Um, interesting, especially kind of in light of like the market these days. Everything that's going on with COVID. Can you kind of walk us through what the home buying experience with you is like um, now? Is it and is it you know any different than it was before? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer that I'm going to give you is really going to surprise you. Uh, the first thing you need to know is the market is as hot as it's ever been. It's crazy hot. And, um, and if you are thinking about selling your house and you're like, well, is this the right time because of COVID-19? As long as you're comfortable with selling it now, you should not wait. We may not see this time for a long, long time. And there's two reasons. Well, there's lots of reasons, but the two main ones are interest rates are just so low that if you buy a property right now, you're basically getting it below market value because you're not going to see, you know, people are getting interest rates of 2.9, 2.5. Like um, they might be at four and a half percent in a year. Um, so just that in itself, you're making money just by buying right now. So a lot of people are buying to take advantage of it. 
And on the selling side, because some people are still nervous to sell, um, they're holding back to sell their property. So there's not a lot of property on the market. So everything on the market is selling right now. Now, in terms of COVID-19, um, I was dubious in the beginning of how we would ever do this business, but we all wear face masks. We stay six feet apart. Um, we're very careful in the properties. I have customers wear gloves when they come in, you know, put on brand new gloves just so that, you know, anything they touch um, is touched with, you know, glove that was just put on inside the house. Um, and the, the other thing is that we just, you know, try to keep each other apart the whole time. My biggest challenge with COVID-19 isn't that the market is slowing. It's that as your clients get to know you, they start to feel more and more comfortable with you. And they're like, well, we don't need to wear a mask anymore. I don't, I don't need to be six feet away. And I have to keep saying, no, no, no. This is how we protect each other. Neither one of us have it. And that's why we want to keep it. And so I have to keep giving that message out. But otherwise, it's going great. And people are really very careful about how to take care of things. In fact, um, one of the challenges of COVID-19, um, we found out on the very first property, we, we sold a property in January. And um, they, the other lawyer wanted to put in a COVID-19 clause in there, which basically said, because of COVID-19, we can just walk away from this house in the meantime, right? And so, you know, you don't want to sell a house and the buyer says, I can walk away for any reason at any time. Um, so we experienced it firsthand on ourselves. And so now as I'm helping clients, I'm able to like negotiate so that we are real clear about what kind of, what kind of language we want to have in the contracts to protect them. Obviously, if someone loses their job, you know, the sale is going to be dead. But if it's just inconvenience, that's not a reason to end the sale. And have you noticed, um, you know, the processes of like signing paperwork or bringing things to the bank or, you know, all of that um, have processes kind of been made longer um what can people expect around you know closing on a property you really nailed it there um number one you don't have normally at a closing table there's a buyer and a seller and they both have lawyers um and then there's the the closing people in there now uh the agents don't show up to closings nobody has to show up everything can go remotely right now i'm working with their client um we're closing i'm closing two properties next week and neither one of them will the client be in the same place as anyone else. They're just, they're going to be at their house closing there. So there's a lot of things you have to do beforehand, but in terms of timing, yeah, particularly on the loan side, um, because there's just not as many people working as many hours because of COVID-19 and because the market is so strong. A lot of times they're, you're doing everything you can to make it to that last day. And sometimes it gets pushed a day or a week, which doesn't sound like that much, but when you have a moving van at your house and it happens that day, that's a really rough situation. So we try everything to do to make sure everything's ready before we schedule all those things. And how have your sort of tips for homeowners and home buyers kind of shifted at this time? Did you have kind of, you know, a methodology before COVID and, and have you applied that in the same way, um, you know, over the past, you know, however months it's been, um, I can never keep track anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, I mean, I think the biggest change is that, you know, you, you don't have as many people that visit. A lot of people like to show up with their whole families, especially if it's a first-time home buyer. They want to show up their whole families. Well, the, the seller doesn't want 20 people walking in and out of their property. So, when I am representing a seller, you know, I, I make sure they know this is the maximum amount of people in, which I say four, so that's two agents and um, two people can come and visit. 
or if they have someone else, then the agents have to go outside and everybody has to go in. And then, you know, all of those activities. And, and now I think the other thing is just to really prepare the clients more than you had to before. There's a lot. So there's so many things that happen in the transaction and you want to tell your client everything from the beginning, but they can't remember every single thing that's going to happen over the course of the next 45 days or 90 days. So you have to figure out the right amount of things to tell them every week. And I think that I've gotten in um, a kind of a good groove with that. But with COVID-19, I realized there's a lot of things I have to be more clear on because of this. We got to be really careful that this happens by this date, specifically, you know, with the loan, like what's the status of the loan? What are the holdups? And so I'm calling them the other, uh, the client's mortgage a lot more to find out what's going on with that. And with um, your house flipping experience, are you able then to maybe show your clients houses that may not fit all of their needs and kind of help them or walk them through the changes that they could make to make that an ideal home for them, like from the get go, instead of like having to call in, you know, a designer or a contractor to kind of walk them through, or do you have that knowledge base now for your clients? So the, the answer is that, uh, you know, the reason I decided to do it full time and help other people and not just work on our properties is because I realized I had all this knowledge and experience um, there's message boards that I go on all the time. And in the beginning, I didn't know any answers to any of the questions. And then one day I was like, why am I not answering these questions? I know them, you know, you know, 15 years ago, I didn't know any of the answers, but now most of the questions that come up, I know the answers. So yeah, a lot of times I can tell somebody, they can say, you know, um, this is a two bedroom house, but I wish, you know, we could make, you know, cut in the living room and add a third bedroom. How much would that cost? And I can rattle off the number and I can say, this is a, this is the process, this is what goes on. Um, but it's more than just me knowing that, it's also me having a, a really long list of subcontractors that can help them with any way. But I can always tell them like, this is something you could do, you know, here's how you would do it and really um, provide value because we've done it so much ourselves. I mean, at this point, I haven't worked with a client that's come across something that we didn't already experience because we've experienced about every horrible thing that could ever happen because we're often buying properties that are really in, you know, disrepair. What's kind of been like the worst property ownership moment for you? It was actually the very first one we bought. So uh, my wife decided on this property um, and it's in Ravenswood and it was a good price, but it literally needed every single thing in the house had to be redone. And at that point, we weren't hiring people very much. We were doing most of the work ourselves. Um, and anything that could go wrong went wrong. Like we thought we'd have to replace some of the plumbing. We had to replace all the plumbing. We thought that, you know, some element of the electrical would work. None of it worked. We had to replace every floor. We had to, um, you know, add a lot more walls. When we took the kitchen apart, we found out none of the plumbing in the kitchen was, was um, you know, built to scale, you know, built to scale the kitchen size we wanted. So we had to tear that all out and start over again. Um, so it was really a good first project. And also um, we did use a developer for um, a contractor for some of the work. And it was a terrible experience. We got a referral and it was an agent who, who I really trust is really great agent and referred the person and it was a great deal. And I hired him and it turned out he was out of money. So what a lot of times a contractor does when they're out of money is they're paying the last job with your money. 
they're not paying the people on your property. They're paying the last project because they're, they're a job behind. So they're always trying to get one more job in hopes that someday they catch up. Um, and that was our situation. So he wasn't paying anyone. And our kitchen was totally torn up. And, and all the subs came in and said, um, we're not going to do any more work. He's not paying us. And so um, it, was, it was a terrible, terrible experience. But it was a great experience because it just taught you so much. Number one, how to deal with that. You know, what are your options at that point? But also to just vet people a lot better than that, than just take a referral from someone. So I think, you know, you've touched on so many things that are uh, important things to look for in a real estate agent, not just the, just the, you know, the viewing properties and talking about what you want, but also just looking further into like how to make a property your own. And are you somebody willing to go into that process and how to make those decisions wisely? Um, you know, but as, as you're in your career and as maybe people are thinking about getting into real estate right now, like what, what are some good qualities in a person that you may, you think um, make a really good real estate agent? Um, well, there's really only two things. And if you have these two things, you can make a living as a real estate agent. And if you don't have these two things, it's going to be very difficult to uh, make a living in real estate. One is you have to like to help people because even though it's a business, um, if you ever start thinking about a commission check, um, you're not going to help the other person because you have to at any time tell the person, let's walk away from this job. This, you know, this isn't it. Um, Cause you want everyone to, you want this, every customer that you come across, you want them to think about you 10 years from now, you know, when they sell again and when they move again. So you have to really like people and you have to like helping them. Um, so th that's number one. And number two, it's hard work. Um, I work all the time. <laughs> this is all I do. Um, my wife is always like, get off your phone, get off your phone. But every day something comes up and I don't mean problems. A lot of times they're not problems. A lot of times it's a client who's saying, oh, the lawyer is saying this. I'm really worried. And so, I, you know, I have to get on the phone and say, I understand what they're saying, that they're speaking legalese. It sounds scary. They, they have your back. They're protecting you. Trust me, everything's fine. If ever there's not something fine, I'm going to get on the phone and get it fixed. So don't worry about it. But otherwise, that person's going to lose sleep all night worried about that. So it's those kinds of conversations. I want every experience with my clients to be a great experience. I, I think it's just so much fun. I mean, it really is. Um, especially buying is just, it's so fun to get in there and pick a house and, and see, it, see your life change. You know, and I experienced that myself in the very first house. I was renting. I didn't want to um, stop renting because I was like, man, I, you know, I, I can't get that money together. I obviously did not know what would happen later. <laughs> um, and uh, my wife's like, just kind of drove me to it and we bought our first house. And it's a little bit tough that first year because things are tight. But then after that, when the tax incentives kick in and also just the fun of having a property where you don't have to worry about, um, uh, a landlord is just, it's just a completely different, great experience. And I love helping people get in there. And what about your um, home selling, you know, when you have, when you have, you know, a property owner wanting to sell their property, do you also have a team of people that kind of help, you know, oftentimes, you know, houses are cluttered or need kind of staging. Do you have people that you surround yourself with to help with that process? Or what is your advice for um, people looking to sell their home and how to prepare to do that? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. 
Uh, and that, that's essential. You, you have to have that. I am very fortunate because my wife does that. So uh, before I decided to do this full time, she was staging other, I mean, she was always staging our properties, but she was um, staging other people and getting paid to do that. Um, she, she also is a really incredible home organizer. So I kind of have that in my back pocket. That's lucky, but it's, you know, that's a big part of it, but it's everything. It's, it's having a team of lawyers. It's having a team of plumbers. It's having a team of electricians, architects, developers, um, and obviously mortgage professionals. Like I have five. There's one that I use almost all the time. And I'm always looking for another one. I'm always looking for another one because um, I want my client to get the best rate possible when they buy their house. So I'm always challenging them against each other. Uh, so you really do have to have this group of people and it, it really is a team effort, but my clients hopefully always feel like I'm there in front of everything, even if they're talking to a lawyer, you know, that they can ask me anything, come back to me about anything. If they're talking to the mortgage person, something comes up, they can come back to me. And, you know, so there's a team of people working, but they always know that I'm at the front of it, helping them out. What's the one piece of advice you would offer to someone who wants to enter the real estate field right now? It's a good time to enter. I mean, I don't know how it'll be six months from now or a year from now, but it is a good time to get in. Um, there's a test you have to take. Um, it used to be a lot easier. Now it's a lot harder. Um, so uh, you have to really bear down and take the, I don't mean to suggest that it's like getting an MBA at Harvard or anything like that, but, but if you don't take it seriously, you know, uh, I went to a place where there was 210 people and I was the only one that passed. Now, I think that's very unusual. I think I just happen to be with a weird group of people, but you know, there is a lot of math and other things in it. So just that part is preparing it. Once you do it, most of the things that are on the exam don't come up in your real life. There, there's a lot of things in there that are about the, the law and that kind of thing. But then once you get in there, the best thing is, is, to, is to choose the right office that fits for you. That, that is the most important thing. When you're starting, um, you're going to, you're going to fail all the time and you're not going to get any business at all. Unless you just happen to know 10 people that are selling a house, you know, you're, you're not going to have business. So you need to get an office where someone can show you how to get business and can actually drive. You can join a team, somebody else's real estate team, um, or you can just find a brokerage that says, look, coach me, tell me what to do. And if they go, Oh, I don't know what you mean by coaching. Like that's not the place for you. And you're, you know, affiliated with Baird Warner. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about how you chose chose them and you know have did you work for other agencies in the past so i'm so glad you asked that um because we don't talk a lot about it you know there's some really good real estate companies in town and honestly there's some that aren't as great um and people often ask me why don't you just have your own real estate business why don't you do that and it's because what a giant company that knows chicago can offer you I mean, I, I talk about a team, but I have a marketing person. I have a contract assistant. Um, I have people that are just doing training every day, even though you would think that, um, you know, at some point I'd be like, oh, I know everything. I don't. And everything changes all the time. There's new technology all the time. When you're trying to sell a house, if you don't understand the technology, then you're not going to sell that house. It isn't as simple as just like pushing a button. It gets up. You got to do Lots of things to get the most customers in and get the, the best price um, for your customer. Um, so, but Baird & Warner has all that and I love it, but this is why I chose Baird & Warner. So you might know that Chicago has a 
horrific history of redlining. Um, and we basically, what we did was we said, white people are going to live here. Black people are going to live here. Latinos are going to live here. And agents would shove them into the areas and they wouldn't let them go there. And obviously the type of property that was available to them was, was not as great. And the areas that they were in were not as great. And um, Baird Warner was the company that uh, fought to change all that. And they put in the, the law that, that changed that so that you weren't able to do that anymore. And, and I'm really proud of that. And even now, um, I can tell you they're a, ve they're a company that's very aware of the world. And um, after all the Black Lives uh, Matter movement started, um, they said, there's more we can do. And we're going we're gonna to do that. So they brought on people to say, tell us what else we need to do. And, you know, and they're educating their agents. They're, again, providing training for that. And I just appreciate it so much. You know, they care about Chicago and all of Chicago. That's great. Thanks for touching on that. Yeah, I think there's so many places that are thinking about what they can be doing. And uh, it's, that's good to hear. So I appreciate that. I think, you know, real estate, it seems like such a natural place for you to be. Um, and it's enjoyable to hear you talk about it. And uh, if you, you know, if you didn't land in real estate, if you didn't have, if you hadn't stayed with, um, you know, poker is like a career choice. Is there another career that you would choose or fall into? Um, so I, I've been in technology in my whole life. Oh, that's right. You mentioned so IT. I probably would have looked for something that, um, you know, my, my interest is to someday create a foundation or partner with somebody else to find um, affordable housing for people um, because it's such a big problem in the city right now. I mean, our neighborhood's a perfect example of that. Uh, there's so many people here that um, that are renting that would have loved to have bought a condo or a single family house. And, you know, five, 10 years ago, they could afford it and now they can't. And, um, you know, th there's gotta be solutions out there to do that. But housing is such at the crux of all the problems in the city. Um, and if you don't have fair, safe, affordable housing, it really changes what happens to your neighborhood. And so I know I read the story every weekend about the crime in the city or even next door at uptown and it's crushing. It's so easy to forget about it because we hear about it so much, but it's crushing. Um, so that's where I would probably dedicate hundred percent of my time. Um, but I hope to be, I'm doing a, a little something, but I hope to do a lot more um, over time. And in that same vein, um, we kind of close our podcast with asking, um, with asking our guests which Andersonville business they would like to trade places with for a day and why. And I know, you know, a lot of folks are struggling out there, so this may be a harder question to answer, but do you have a, do you have a business out there um, I, in Andersonville that you'd like to work at? I listen to the podcast. I know that question <laughs> was coming. Um, it's not, it wasn't even hard. I knew the answer right away. It's, it's, it's Andersonville fine spirits and wine or fine wine and spirits. Um, I love that place and I would love to be there and get a discount. They have a great selection. <laughs> the guys there are so mellow and sweet. Um, I just, I think it's a, a really great run place and I think they have a really great selection. Given how small their space is, they've made the most of it to really provide you anything you want. I normally just go up to the front and I say, I'm looking for a cab. I mean, they say, what price are you looking for? And then they just go and grab everything and bring it to me. It's a great place. 
do you do you stop in there when you give your um, kind of home buyers a, a housewarming present at times? I what do. Can people, what what can people expect after they they buy a home with you? Well, it depends on the on the person. You know, I have um, worked with a lot of customers that are teetotalers. Uh, they don't drink at all, so you know that's different. Uh, that's a really great present, particularly, you know, I try to find out, are you, you know, would you love to have a really expensive bottle of wine, but you would never pay for it for yourself? You know, um, are you a whiskey drinker, but you would never buy a 30 year old scotch? You know, that's, so you, you know, you learn so much about the person. The person is such a big part of your life when you're helping them with this. Um, but sometimes it's just what they want, what they need is a, is a, um, Home Depot card or Lowe's card you know, because they're going to get started right away and to have some cash right away. It's great. And before we close too, I, I want to hear about, do you have like a favorite or highlight, um, you know, either sale or, or buying memory that you can share with us? Yeah, I can. Um, uh, I'm glad because I, I didn't talk about this and I really, it's something that makes me so happy. So um, we wanted to, finally buy a forever house where we were going to live, you know, moving every two years kind of wore us down eventually after, I think we, I think we've done, um, I don't know, I think it's 15 that we lived in and then we started doing other ones on the side, but we've done dozens of them now, but you know, for 20 years or so we've, we moved every two years. Um, and I've always loved this neighborhood. I used to take, when my family comes up to Fort Wayne, I used to take them in this neighborhood because it's so unlike anything that you would see in a small town um, or even a middle-sized town or a town that's like, you know, doesn't have old bones and, and I would just walk around and talk about the architecture. So I always wanted to live here. Um, and then a property came on the market and immediately got sold to a developer. One of the ways that my wife and I buy properties is when we see a house is sold to a developer, we call that agent every week. We keep calling, we're your backup offer, we're your backup offer. And the reason for this is the developer always comes in they offer some extraordinary price, higher than anyone else, but then they start nickeling, diming them down. They're like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, that uh, you didn't have a 200 amp electrical. I mean, the, you know, so we're going to have to take off another 10,000. And then they start doing this and doing this. And of course, you can imagine you're a seller that has this big paycheck just waiting to hand to you. And then, you know, they've knocked off a lot of time. You're not going to find it. So this is how we've gotten a lot of properties. And eventually they said, they're tired of dealing with this developer. Will you? would you um, buy it? And that's how we got it. And so we got our house and it was in really bad shape. And my wife has rehabbed it and brought it back up. And I love this house so much. It's, it's a dream to be here. Um, and it's a dream to see my wife's fingerprints all over it. It's, it really makes me happy. So suffice it to say, you've, you've been in a lot of people's houses in this neighborhood. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. I love to just walk like around. Yeah, people will tell you their address and you're like, oh yeah, I used to live there. Or, oh yeah, I was yes. just in there. <laughs> yes, that happens. You know where your love, bedroom is. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I love to just walk around the neighborhood um, even though I know it so well um, and uh, see, you know, things change and evolve. I don't mean so much tear down. I don't, that's not something I'm a big fan of, but um, went to see things improve, you know, even if it's just paint and how they do it and, um, and I, I just love that experience of walking around and the, the neighbors around here are just crazy sweet and nice. It's wonderful. Well, thank you, Dan, for being here. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast.
for more information about Dan, where can they find you? DanLovesHouses.com. And show notes on today's episode can be found at Andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.